Blog Talk Radio. This is the Healing Light Show with your host, Ken Burrow. Stay with us as we bring honor and glory to Jesus, our Savior, Deliverer, and Healer. Good morning and welcome to the Healing Light Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Ken Burrell. Pretty excited about this show. Got a man here online uh, uh, as our guest today who goes a little bit deeper into things than than I've been in my 30-some-odd years of ministry. Uh, We have Pastor William French. He is the uh, founder and senior pastor of Luke 418 Church. Uh, Bill teaches us to live in the kingdom of God and 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 of how to get freedom in your walk with Christ, freedom from the enemy, freedom from uh, demonic principalities. So I'm very very excited to have him on the program this morning. 
Good morning, Pastor William French. Do you prefer being called Bill or William? What's your preference? Uh, Bill, Pastor Bill French. Yes, thank you, Ken. All right. Well, God thank bless you, you for joining us. God bless you too, brother. So it's it's an honor to be on your show today, and uh, uh, it's really exciting to be able to share the Word of God and to um, uh, share what God has done. Uh, through his son to uh, bring healing and deliverance to those that are fragmented and torn. Well, you know, one thing I've noticed over the years is that deliverance and healing goes hand in hand. In fact, Jesus Jesus himself brought deliverance and then brought healing for many in the Bible. So I'm really grateful that you are here to talk about these things. So, Bill, tell us what's on your heart this morning you'd like to share. Well, there's uh, many things I'd like to share. Um, uh, One thing is that you just brought up in the Word of God. It said um, that says that uh, uh, Jesus brought healing and deliverance. And and, uh, we can find that in the scriptures in Mark chapter 16, verse 14. And we find that Jesus later appeared to the 11 disciples. And as they sat at the table, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now, folks, the disciples went through something that was very terrifying. And they were confused. They were bitter. There was unforgiveness. They were mad at God. They didn't understand what was going on. And Jesus Before he commissioned them to go out into the world and preach the gospel with power and authority through the Holy Spirit, he had to bring inner healing and deliverance. You see, folks, the Bible states that if we are in unbelief, if we're in fear, doubt, and unbelief, those are three demons that hang out together, we're in sin. And so they were in sin, and they had a hardness of heart. And when you have a hardness of heart, everything's there. Unforgiveness, anger, rage, murder, uh, doubt, unbelief. Jesus had to bring inner healing to their soul and then deliverance. After that, he commissioned them, and they went out with power and authority. So I'm glad that you brought that up because, see, God has set an example and a pattern for us. Each and every believer in Christ Jesus needs inner healing and deliverance. Hello? Back to you. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought I lost you for a second there. You know, it, it's in. It seems that more times than not, whenever there is an important message to share with, with people, that the devil tries his best to stop us. Um, we even had technical difficulties this morning, but through the power of prayer and perseverance, we overcome, which is a great segue to how does somebody overcome o- oppression by the enemy? How did, I mean, you, you, you go into, we were talking about it a little bit before we went on the air, about satanic ritual abuse. Now, some people think that's not that stuff don't happen. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, I know at least two or three people 
who have gone through these kind of things. How, how do you tackle that? What, what would be the steps for somebody to, to, to find freedom from such an evil attack on, on an individual? Well, folks, we, we have to operate by faith. You know, the Word of God says that in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, that we must live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The, the saints, we are saints. We're no longer sinners. We are saints, and we must live by faith. Folks, anything that God wants to do through us must require faith on our part. And one thing is believing that there is satanic ritual abuse around the world, even in America. In every single city in America, there is a satanic coven that is abusing Little children, men and women, exploiting sexual rituals. And so I speak to those that are listening that have been satanically abused. There is life for you. A life of peace, something that you've never known before. A life of love through Christ Jesus. A love that you never known before. What happened to you was horrific, was horrible, and it should have never happened to you. But Jesus the Christ of Nazareth, the Lion of Judah, he is very concerned about you. And he understands all of your parts. He understands what you've been going through, but he asks you, those parts that are listening right now, he asks one thing from you, to believe in him, to trust him. And I know that many SRA individuals have gone through many different types of rituals where the enemy, those that are in the coven, have play-acted in dressing up like Jesus and has committed sexual immorality to you and has uh, caused you to do horrific things to other individuals to degrade so you would mistrust Jesus the Christ. Now, some of you, when I mention that name, you just cringe. Some of you, it's just a name to trigger you into another personality to come out with a powerful demon. I understand all that. But there's one thing that you have not received through this coven. is the powerful, forgiving, loving grace. That God has for you his love, the agape love. And I loose that agape love. I loose the light of Christ to surround you, to give you hope to those parts inside that are listening. Now, we got to understand that those who have gone through satanic ritual abuse, 
Their mind has been fragmented, divided purposely into different personalities. Now, the book of James talks about that. Um, Chapter 1 talks about a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And we must have a good understanding of dissociative identity disorder, how men back in World War II where Hitler purposely designed individuals to be – they're called programmers – to program the mind, to split off the mind to different personalities and gave these personalities assignments to do certain things. And so when you're going to minister to someone who's SRA, you're going to deal with a lot of different personalities. And this is amazing. If you've never heard anything like this before, this is truly amazing that a mind can be fragmented in different personalities. Some call it multiple personality disorder, or now they've given it a name of dissociative identity disorder. Now, we must understand that America is about 90% associative. Everybody dissociates in some form or another. Some people might be driving down a freeway or down the road on the highway, and they dissociate. They just start thinking about different things, and then about three exits down, they just kind of like wake up out of their, their deep thinking, and they go, oh, wow, I missed the exit way back then or some of you might dissociate when you come home you put your keys down and when you're ready to go out and drive the vehicle again you can't find your keys you go I don't know where they are where did I place them well somebody inside you knows where you place them you see we must have a good understanding of dissociative identity disorder which James chapter 1 talks about a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways Who can know it? God says he'll never receive anything from him. God wants to bring that fragmented mind back together again to make it whole. And the way we do that is placing our mind on Christ Jesus. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. And he's interested in you. He's very concerned about you. Now, those that are not SRA, those that are just having a hard time in life, those true believers in Christ Jesus, you're trying to figure out this Christian life that, wow, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? I keep on finding myself in sin. I'm having a hard time break sin in my life. Well, God wants to give you a breakthrough. He wants to break you free from the habit of sin. You see, that's why he died on the cross. He forgave you of your sins, but now he set an example in where he walked on this earth, were to live like him, were to walk like him, were to walk in holiness and righteousness. And this is a journey. God says he gives grace to the humble in James chapter 4. He gives grace to the humble. What does that mean? Those who want and desire in the inner being, that purpose in their heart, to truly please God, to obey his commands, to obey his word. And when we do this, 
He gives us grace because we're humbly coming to him and saying, Lord, I need help conquering this sin in my life. I need help to overcome uh, these trials in my life. I need your power. I need your grace. And I need you to help me through this. And so in James chapter 4, it says, he gives grace to those who want to do this. He'll empower you. He'll forgive you. He'll have grace when you're going through those tough times of violating God's spiritual laws. He's going to give you grace. And so that's the key, is to walk in grace and humility before the Lord, and God will set you free. You know, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it states this. It states that stand fast in the liberty, in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. You see, stand fast is a military word to get into a position where you actually separate your feet position and you're kind of like standing sideways. So when someone comes to try to knock you down or push you, you don't go falling down. <laughs> you kind of like maybe sway a little bit, but your your feet are are, are, are steadfast and you're not going to be moved. God says stand fast. Why? Because the enemy, Satan and his demons, are going to come to try to steal, kill, and destroy you, trying to move you out of faith. You see, it's about your faith. Are you going to believe Christ or are you going to believe Satan and his lies? And he's real good on giving you lies so you can believe a demonic belief system to align your mind to his word, his lies, and say, like, you can't do things. You, you know, you can't be a good Christian. You can never be loved truly from Christ because look at the sin that you're in. You see, and if you come along in agreement with what that lie is stating, then you made a covenant with that demonic being that's lying to you, and you will not break free. God wants you to break free today, and he wants to teach you something. Every listener listening now, listen, listen very carefully. God commands for you and me to stand fast in Christ Jesus. In the liberty that Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see, folks, we're not to go back to sin again, but God wants us to be what? I'm sure you've heard this before, Ken, where the scripture says to be wise as a serpent, but to be gentle as the dove. Yeah. And so when we're to be wise as a serpent, you see, we got to understand something, that Lucifer was made with all the fullness of wisdom. He's very wise. God gave it to him. And so Satan is very wise. And God wants you to have that wisdom and understanding how Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, some of you are still trying to figure this out. Some of you, what I'm going to teach you right now, or as the light bulb will come on and go, oh, okay, I understand. This is how Satan does this every single day to build strongholds or to reinforce strongholds in your life. 
This is why God says stand fast. Now, if we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, okay, and we're going to look at verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay, folks, we're living in a fleshly body, okay? We're, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are saints. We are true believers in Christ Jesus. For the command is, though, we live in this flesh, we're not going to war in the flesh. We're not going to pick fights with one another. We're not going to pick fights with brothers and sisters. What we're going to do is we're going to love one another. But now, let's look further. What does verse 4 say? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal. They're not worldly. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, do you know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is what Satan has you in bondage, in prison. And every day he's reinforcing that stronghold or building new strongholds to keep you, to block you from walking and living in the power of God. You see, Satan is very wise. And these are the six most common strongholds that Satan uses every day. It doesn't matter what form of life or walk you come from. Satan uses the same pattern every day. And those that have been in, in deliverance, especially Ken, over 30 years of deliverance, he understands that Satan used the same old pattern over and over because it works. Isn't that right, Ken? Yeah, he, he's not creative at all. He might be wise, but he's not creative. <laughs> he uses That's the same right. <laughs> over and over and over. Um, let me, you know, one of the things that I, I – I've learned over the years is deception only works when you don't know about it. I was brought up in a denomination that did not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They believed that all the gifts died when the apostles died. I thank God that's not true because that means all the other promises wouldn't be true. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. But 35 years ago, uh, I met a pastor. He took one look at me, and next thing you know, he's driving me down to Valparaiso, Indiana, to, to meet a man who was very gifted in deliverance. But if you had asked me then if a Christian could be oppressed by the enemy, my answer would have been, you're crazy. I'm filled with, uh, I got the Holy Spirit. Why would a demon can't come in where the Holy Spirit is? But I found out very quickly I was wrong. One of the things that happened before deliverance is my brain used to move at 100,000 miles an hour. I mean, it was just constant. And I actually thought that all those thoughts were mine. But after deliverance, there is my brain became peaceful. There was nothing but peace. The only thing I heard then was my own thoughts, the voice of God, and when Satan come by to to try to attack me, it, all, it felt invasive after that point. And I, I'm bringing all this up because I know there are people listening who have that 100,000-mile-an-hour or a million-mile-an-hour thought process. 
And that is not what God has intended for us. He has intended for us to have the peace that passes all understanding. I cannot explain the peace that I've had for the last 35 years. I just know it's there, and I love it. What do you say to people who are going through similar things, you know, who have the racing thoughts, that can't sleep at night because their brain takes over? Um, I, I think it was Joyce Meyer that wrote a book about the, the battlefield of the mind, because that is where the battlefield is. How does an individual come to a point of receiving the peace that passes all understanding? I'm glad you asked that because this is why it's so important to understand the six most strongholds that Satan has bound you in. You see, it says in verse 4 in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of this world, but mighty in God to pulling down strongholds. What are the strongholds? The stronghold, the first one is rejection. God uses your brothers and sisters, those that are close to you. It could be mom and pop. It could be grandpa. It could be brothers and sisters in the Lord to reject you. And then the second stronghold is anger. From that rejection, you get, a, you get angry. You get offended because actually you just wanted to be their friends and hang out with them. And then from anger, it'll be the third stronghold will be despair. That's when you get depressed. You see, depression is where you don't resolve the issue with your brothers or sister or family. And then it goes to the fourth stronghold, fear. So we have rejection, anger, despair, and fear. And you see, when people are fearful... It's just by a natural habit. People like to pick on individuals that are fearful. And so the fifth stronghold would be abuse. They're receiving abuse. Now, let's define abuse. That's emotional, mental, physical, verbal, sexual, and spiritual abuse. And when you get to your sixth stronghold, and this is where Satan wants to control you at the sixth stronghold, and that's where self-hatred is. And if he can get you to the point where you hate yourself, then we violate God's second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. You see... Satan is very clever. He wants your mind to be rejected so your mind continuously is speeding down a fast highway so you don't have time for the Lord. You won't feel his peace. You won't operate in his peace. You're always thinking ahead, how can I avoid being rejected? How can I avoid being belittled? How can I avoid being embarrassed? How can I avoid being hurt? And your mind is always racing how to protect yourself. But if we can understand the six most common strongholds, rejection, anger, despair, fear, abuse, and self-hatred, 
we understand how Satan daily is reinforcing those strongholds. But God says he wants you to break loose. And how do we do that? See, the question is, how do we get set free from these strongholds? In verse 5 in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, casting down arguments. Now, some of you hear voices in your head. could be demonic or could be other personalities, fragmented parts inside you. But you're hearing voices in your head. You don't want to tell anybody about it because they think you're going to be crazy. You're not crazy because you got to understand that – what James chapter 1 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Do not expect anything from the Lord. That's what Satan does. That's what his demons do. They come to fragment your mind. They don't want you to receive anything from the Lord. And so they want your mind to race down a highway in high speeds. To trying to avoid the rejection, trying to avoid the condemnation in your life. And while you are doing this, Satan is building these strongholds. But we must cast down the arguments in our mind. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we must bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Back to you, Ken. Uh, that last verse you quoted, that happens to be one of my favorites because one of the things that the enemy loves to do is take you to your past. You know, he wants to remind you of your failures, you know. And I have learned that if I, you know, the Bible says if you resist the devil, he will flee. Now, I have learned that if you just simply say, I hold every thought captive to obey my Jesus, bam, he is gone instantly. It, it amazes me. I, it, it's, a, it's a practice of mine that I have to use every day because he doesn't ever, he don't ever stop trying to come after you. You know, some people say, well, if I become a Christian, then all this stuff should stop. No, in actuality, no, it increases because he already owns what he owns. He wants to get you, too. Um, you were given those six points, and as you were talking, I, I, I couldn't help but think I, I, there could be a, a seventh one. And the seventh one, in my opinion, is, is simply people who believe in Jesus Christ, who love Jesus, but they have unforgiveness in their heart, which opens up a legal door for the enemy to come in and attack and attack and attack. Back to you, Bill. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, folks, that's why Satan uses that number one stronghold, rejection. And most individuals are too timid to go and, and confront that other person and say, listen, you really offended me. You really hurt me. I just wanted to be your friend. And uh, your uh, your coarse joking, really, you, you know, you threw three spears of rejection. It hit my little boy or my little girl inside, and I was devastated. It took me three weeks to recover. Now, I'm just letting you know, you you know, I forgive you. You see, the Bible says in Matthew chapter six, it states this. 
actually, let's turn to that, okay? So everyone who has a Bible, you need to turn to this and see what the scriptures say. Not just hear it, but you really need to see what God says. Because when you, you see what God says, then it locks into your mind because you're seeing it through your gates of your eyes and you're hearing it with your ears. Then later on, Christ can bring it back up to you. But as soon as you hear the uh, just hear it and then the radio show's over, guess what? <laughs> Satan already has your mind going off with different things with the cares of the world and you'll forget what was said. Now, if we turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, huh. we find – yes. No, no, I'm right with you. I, I spent okay. a lot of time in 14 and 15. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, we got to understand something. You see, we're giving you instructions, and this is what you need. You need to have instructions so you can be able to resist the devil. If you don't have this understanding and these instructions, you don't apply it in your life, you're – you're getting devastated, man. The devil's beating your butt, man. This is no good. You see, we got to right. get back on the track and tear down the kingdom of Satan in your life. Kick him out so you can start living a life of blessings, an abundant life that God has for you. He says here in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, For if you... Forgive men and their trespasses or their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men and their trespasses or their offenses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses and offenses. So what it means, folks, is that God cannot forgive you of your sins and you cannot pass gold, collect $300 and hit the pearly gates. See, Satan wants to reject you to, so you can be offended and hurt. And when you do not forgive, you're signing your own death warrant to hell. Come on. And so this is why it's so important that you forgive everyone on a daily basis. That's where the question was, how many times do I have to forgive this, this person? That keeps on irritating, rejecting me, 70 times 7. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 7, it says, are you angry? Yes, I'm angry. <laughs> okay. Okay, then calm down. Don't sin. Don't get a bat and beat them up. Don't get some spiritual C4s and blow them up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't send some uh, funny hand signals or, or just rat-tat-tat-tat with your tongue and tear them apart. Do not do that. But it says before the sun goes down, there's a time limit. Each day, there's a time limit. Before the sun goes down, you must forgive them. That's a command, folks. You must forgive them. If not, verse 27 says you've given place to the devil. As Ken says, you've opened an ungodly spiritual door for the devil to come in and torment you. Now, some of you are going, Pastor Bill, listen, you don't know what they did to me. You had no clue. It, it's so devastating. I can never forgive them. And maybe you didn't say that, but the intent of your heart did. And that's what's going to hang you. You see, it's not you, what so much you use your medium, your mouth as a medium to verbalize that. It's the intent of your heart that God's going to judge you on. 
And so he commands us to forgive no matter how hard it is, how hurtful it was. He says that you must forgive them before the sun goes down. Now, if you don't, like many people don't <laughs> forgive, you don't get a good sleep at night. You you toss and turn and you're up all night because you're playing back the videotape of that argument, of that that ungodly spiritual wound of offense in your life. You see, Satan knows he can use God's spiritual laws and keep you in a stronghold so you will violate God's spiritual laws and never make it into the kingdom of God. See, he's clever. He's going to use the word of God so you can violate it and never get into the kingdom of God. He's so clever that that's why God says, now be gentle as a dove. Okay, so we're not going to go out there and beat up the person who hurts you. We're not going to go slash their tires and, you know, break, bash in their windshield. <laughs> you know, you might want to, <laughs> right? You might want to take your fist and just shove it in their face. But God says, no, resist the devil. No, don't sin. Because if you do, you open an ungodly spiritual door. The devil will come in, not just harass you. But your children, your wife, and your future generations, because he has a legal right. Back to you, Ken. Well, you know, I, I'm 100% in agreement with everything you just said. I have spent a lot of time over the years trying to get people, and been successful a few times, to get people to understand the importance of forgiveness. It is a matter of heaven or hell. You know, for us to be a Christian means to be like Christ. He came to forgive us, and we didn't deserve it at all. And we must be like him and forgive those who have hurt us because unforgiveness, in my opinion, is a cancer to your soul. It eats you from the inside out. It is stealing your eternal destiny. And on top of that, the person that hurts you doesn't give you a second thought. It doesn't bother them any way, shape, matter, or form. They're just living in your head rent-free. And there is freedom when we forgive. There is, it's, it's hard for me to explain, but I remember the first time God pointed out Matthew 6, 14 and 15 to me. My first reaction was, oh God, I am in trouble here. And I went through a process I'm not going to get into the whole thing because it's kind of long, but throughout that process, I did go and forgive everybody I could think of. And there was one individual that was on this long list that I had made that even though I said I forgave them, it was mouth. It was just lip service because the situation happened and then where this person got injured and, 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 my first thought was, good, he deserved it. And God immediately said, see, I told you, you need to forgive. Forgiveness has to come from the heart. It must. And I have found over the years that many people who are tortured by the enemy, who are under constant attacks, who do, who do not have that peace that passes on all understanding, is because of that one root problem, and that is having bitterness, rage, and unforgiveness in your heart. 
Once you get rid of that, then it is a lot easier to progress forward in your walk with Jesus. Back to you, Bill. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, folks, it is so important that we understand the instructions in God's word and apply it to our life because many of you don't read your word. Now, maybe you do read your word, but you're not studying the word. You see, that's the key. You've got to study the word. What does it mean? You know, you know, say, well, read a chapter a day, you know. And okay, so you read a chapter. If I asked you after you read your chapter, what'd you read? And you go, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. You see, you didn't understand it. Just take a couple of verses. Just read them over and over throughout the whole week until you finally understand what the verses say. Now you've got it locked inside you. You see, you see. Many of us are walking a Christian religious life. Now listen yep. to what I'm saying. Listen very carefully. Many of us are living a Christian religious life. Now, verses, many true believers live a life of holiness and righteousness. There's a difference, folks. To me, Ken, the word Christian doesn't mean or hold the value like it used to back in the 60s and 70s. It means, you know, you ask somebody, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a pagan Christian or I'm a, I'm a, a, a homosexual gay Christian or I'm a witch Christian. It, it doesn't hold the value like it used to be. And so – we need to separate that. Are you a true believer in Christ Jesus? Are you walking in holiness and righteousness, pleasing unto God? Are you obeying his commands and his word? See, that's a true believer in Christ Jesus. One thing that's very, um, you can say, scary that Jesus quoted and said, only a few are going to make it to heaven. There is a road that is straight and narrow. He says, only few can find it. And so I would rather be classified as a true believer in Christ Jesus who purpose in their heart to walk a holy and righteous life. This, folks, is what we need to do. We need to incorporate our relationship with Jesus throughout the whole day, not 15 minutes of prayer in the morning. And then you live, then you go out through the whole day living your life as you please. No, no, no. You go, well, I put in 15 minutes. <laughs> no, God wants a relationship with you. He wants to have uh, intimate times with you. He wants you to talk with him and walk with him throughout your whole day. You incorporate your relationship with Christ throughout your whole day. You're driving down the road to your next job. Start talking with him, thanking him. Thank you, Father, for this job. Thank you for giving me the ability to do this job. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. You see, you're having a thankful heart. You get to a job like I used to be a, a, a state contractor for air conditioning and heating. I would, uh, would work on Bank of America uh, air conditioning on top of the roofs for the banks, and I would uh, work on these controls. 
And they have like 120 different controls. And I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, which one of these is the one that's giving me the problem? He would direct me right to it so I could be in and out in 15 minutes on the way. And they were happy. You see, folks, you want to be able to commune with the Holy Spirit, have him teach you, direct you with everything in life. But most Christians that live a religious life, go to church on some Sunday, you know, complain about being in church uh, 10 minutes after an hour. <laughs> and so when they leave the driveway, they're thinking about McDonald's or something else. And that from Monday through Saturday, they're living a life of hell. Christ is not even nowhere to be found. There's no relationship. And let me share something with you. It's not about the work you do in Christ. It's about your relationship that is going to count in order for you to get into the kingdom of God. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can find this example in Matthew concerning the ten virgins. Five went into the room and the door was shut. But the other five came later, knocking on the door, pounding the door. Let us in, let us in. We love you. We've been waiting for you. And he says, I never knew you. Wow. I never knew you. It talks about a relationship. Do you have a relationship? Are you just... Are you just counting on that you said a prayer and that you were baptized which gets you into the kingdom of God, but now you must maintain your life and relationship with Christ? They did not. They did not, and they were left behind. My question to you, listeners all around the world, are you having a personal intimate relationship with Jesus the Christ of Nazareth. Back to you, Ken. Well, you hit, I got to tell you, we are absolutely on the same page. Um, I spent a lot of time talking with people about having, Jesus wants to have an intimate personal relationship with you. He wants to help you in your daily walk. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. He's my best friend. I need him. You know, the Bible says that we have to have a fear of God. A lot of people, well, what, we have to be afraid of God? That's not what it means. What it means is to fear not having him in your life. And that's one of my biggest fears. I, I unfortunately went through a period of depression after my father passed away. And I found out real quickly the Holy Spirit doesn't like to hang out with depression. He wants to hang out with people who are strong in Christ, who who seek after him on a daily basis, who praise nonstop. I spend all day long praying. I spend my entire day just wanting to do what God wants me to do. And he wants each and every one of us to have that same kind of intimate personal relationship. People ask me all the time, well, how do I start my ministry? Well, here's how you start your ministry. Get into an intimate personal relationship with Christ, and he is going to open doors. He's going to 
create your ministry. He will show you the call on your life. And believe me, you have a call on your life. And the gifts and, of, and calling of God are irrevocable. He does not change his mind about you. You need to change your mind about him and how you're going to walk with Jesus. He truly, we are in the last days. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit has put on me over and over and over is to tell people, get into that intimate relationship with Christ. And what you will find is glorious. You will find that he will actually order your steps. He will actually be with you. He will actually do things like he did for Bill. Which, which, which control do I have to hit? Oh, it's that one. Thank you, Father. He, he truly cares about every aspect of our lives. Why would you not want to have an intimate relationship with Christ? You want to spend eternity with him. Why not spend that time here on earth with him also? Back to you, Bill. You're absolutely right, Ken. It's about the personal relationship. But I think most people don't know how to do it because they haven't been taught. They've just been taught evangelism, you know, go to your neighbor, tell them about Jesus. Well, that's great and fine, but but God wants you to mature in Christ Jesus. He wants to teach you the deeper things of God. So you first, you just need to incorporate prayer. Now, prayer, what prayer really means, folks, it's just communication with God. That's all it is. It's just communication, talking with them, walking with them, living with them, you know, sharing your ideas, sharing your, your concerns with him. Just like when you call on the phone, you call your best buddy or your friend or your best friend, right? And, and you just share about your concerns of life and, and things about what's going on in the world. That's what God wants you to do with him. And Amen. as you heard what Ken said, that's what he does. He, he talks with him. He walks with him. And, and, his, and his concern is, God, am I not doing enough? Where is there something inside me that's hindering me from having a, a deeper relationship with you, Father God? If there is, please show me so we can remove it together so we can grow deeper. And so that's what the example is set forth in Matthew, talking about the ten virgins. Five went with the Lord, and five did not. Don't be that Christian religious person that just is counting on going to church, singing a few songs, and counting on what you had said the prayer, and you were baptized to get you into heaven. It's far deeper than that. That gets you into the kingdom. Now, God says, draw close to me. Now, folks, this is what I want you to read. Is John chapter 15. You don't have to go there, but this will be your homework this week. John chapter 15. Jesus says, draw close to me, and I will draw close to you. You see, it's not about saying, Jesus, come and draw close to me. No, 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 no. He's not going to do that. He says, you, it's up to you. You must draw close to him. You must study his word. You must start applying his word in your life so you can change, as, as Brother Ken said. You see, folks, 
God is looking at you and the intent of your heart. Are you going to spend time with him, drawing close to him? And when you do, then you will produce fruits of righteousness. But there's a warning in John chapter 15, big warning. And God doesn't you know, hold back punches. He's going to tell you what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. And he tells you this. For those who do not. Now, he's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. It says Jesus is the vine. God is the, the gardener. And that you and I are the branches, and we're connected to the vine. We're all the, the succulent juices and, and nutrition and everything we need to grow as a strong branch and produce fruit. You see, because we're connected to Jesus, we're drawn close to him. But he says, for those who do not draw close... The gardener, which is the father, he will cut off that branch from the vine, meaning you'll be cut off from Christ. And that they'll throw that branch in the ground, and it'll wither from the sun, and then the only thing that's good for is to throw it into the fire. He's talking about you losing your salvation, thrown into the internal furnace of fire, the lake of fire, for the rest of your life. See, folks, there's a warning there. We must draw close Jesus and Jesus will draw close to us then he says if you obey my commands and you obey God's word guess what's going to happen he says anything you ask I will grant it for my father will be glorified there's the instruction folks this is what you got to work on it's not just banking on what you said a prayer and be baptized now you must draw close to Jesus Build that relationship. Back to you, Ken. You know, one of the things that I have come to an understanding, you know, my Bible tells me, you know, husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church. I am so blessed to have an awesome relationship with my wife of 35 years. She's my best friend. And I believe in my heart that God wants to have that same kind of relationship that I have with my wife. He wants me to have that same kind of relationship with him. And I'm very thankful that he has led me to a point where I came to understand what that means. And what it means is, again, an intimate relationship. Because just as your wife or your, or your husband cares and loves you and wants the best for you, Christ cares and loves you and wants the best for you. But if you don't have the relationship this Bill was saying, if you think you just, okay, I said a prayer, got my ticket punched, I'm on the glory train, that's truly not the way it works. You have to have an intimate relationship with Jesus because he is going to show you and tell you and guide you along the way. I personally depend on that. I know I don't have all the answers. I'm a long shot from it. I'm not perfect. I'm pretty sure Bill will say he's not perfect either. But as long as we are striving on a daily basis to be in that intimate relationship, God will help us remove the imperfections, and we then will be able to go step by step by step with Jesus because it is a walk after all. It's not a run. It's one step at a time. But it's what he wants. He loves us so much. 
And I have to interject here because we're running out of time. There's one thing that I, I want to do on each and every program, and that is simply this. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, well, today is the day of salvation. And I've ran into more than one person. Well, I don't know if Jesus is real. You want to know if Jesus is real? It's pretty simple. All you have to do is acknowledge that you're a sinner. We all are. We were born into sin. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on that cross. Three days later, he rose again so that you can be saved. You can be saved from hellfire. And you can spend eternity with him as you build that intimate relationship with him. So if you don't know Jesus today, simply say, Jesus, if you're real, show me. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. And I promise you this. If you say that, if you ask him in, he will come in. I remember the day when I was 14 years old and I said, Jesus, come into my heart. I knew without a doubt that he was real. And you can know without a doubt today, too, that he is real. I don't get into a lot of religious stuff when I talk about this because, once again, it is about relationship. And the first step to that relationship is to ask him into your heart. Amen? Amen. Well, Bill, this hour went by fast, brother. My goodness, we're down to three minutes. What would you like to say in closing? Well, I'd like to say if anyone out there and those that uh, uh, have accepted Christ as your personal Savior but are doubting your salvation and you've been going through some hard times, just repeat after me. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I ask for you right now to forgive me of my sins, knowingly and unknowingly. I place my trust in Jesus the Christ of Nazareth, the true Christ. I ask that you take your blood and wash me, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I ask for the Holy Spirit to come and fill me, my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, and my body, and my spirit, man. And I purpose in my heart this day to follow you, to do the best that I can to give you honor and glory, Jesus, and respect through my actions, my words, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. I truly forgive those that have hurt me, and I forgive myself. Guide me, Holy Spirit. Direct me in the path of righteousness. In Jesus Christ's mighty name, amen. And amen. Uh, quickly, if people who find themselves in bondage and they need to break free, how can they contact you? They can contact me through the Luke418Church.org. That's our website. 
Luke418church.org. Go ahead and scroll down and you'll see where we have a prayer request. So you can go ahead and, and type in there that I'd like to talk with you. I do offer counseling. We have the Luke 418 Counseling Center. This is where I counsel individuals all around the world through uh, phone or through Skype video. And I offer three sessions. That would be one hour each, one per week for three weeks. And I do ask an offering that goes to the church for that. And um, I'll tell you, it's very successful. There's no distance in the spiritual realm. You can be delivered wherever you are at in this world. Okay, Ken, well, we're out of time. Oh, go ahead. Thank you so much for inviting me okay. on the Healing Light Radio. It's an honor, and I thank you so much. Well, thank you for being here. It was an honor to have you here. God bless you. Folks, thanks a lot. Be blessed and be a blessing. You have been listening to The Healing Light Show with your host, Ken Burrow. Prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. To donate, go to The Healing Light Radio Show on Facebook, where you will find a link to donate. Thanks for listening. Be blessed and be a blessing.